it's shiny, it's awesome, it's cool, it's a piece it's of hardware that I can give my baby boy. Because I didn't eat anything. You know, absolutely. Hold on, I'm talking, brother. 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 Hello, and welcome back to Hold on, I'm talking, brother. My name is Joe Greenwood, and you are listening to our UFC Fight Night London preview. How could we not, listeners, preview the UFC's return to the UK the first time in three years? And my word, what a card we have in front of us, and that is not hyperbole. Is it Tom Ballam? Tom, how hyped are you for this card? Joe flew in last night. Uh, Executive first class from Dana, thank you very much. Can't wait to cover this (laughs) event from my uh, spare bedroom in my mum's house. Lovely. Um, But yeah, touchdown in the UK especially. Good to be back on home soil and great to have the UFC here in England. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the crowd's going to be like. I think this is going to be a heavy atmosphere, let's just say. I think this is going to be a raucous crowd uh, in the way that the the Brits only can do. Well, we're jam-packed with uh, UK-based fighters um, and some some really strong up-and-coming names, big prospects for us here in the UK, and I, I expect mm. the crowd to respond. You and I both uh, did have a little look at, at tickets there, sold out very quickly, weren't they, Joe? They were indeed, yes. Uh, I had a look at maybe getting tickets on the secondary market that were... <laughs> Up in the nosebleeds, going for about £700. So this is something that the crowd are are desperate for. And listen, not to big us up too much in the UK, not to get that rural Britannia spirit into us, but in terms of fight crowds, there is nothing like the UK, let me tell you. How many... Listen, let's break it down. Let's Let's talk about boxing just quickly. UK boxing crowds are insane at the moment. Amir Khan versus Kel Brook, two washed-as-you-like fighters fighting in front of over 20,000 people who were screaming for that match. Listen, there's nothing like the UK crowds. And we're going to show the world why we have the best crowds going. But Tom, never mind that. Let's actually get into this card. Let's get into it. Me and Tom are going to make predictions for each fight. There's six fights on this fight night card in the main card. Uh, we're going to pick a fighter who we think will win the fight and if we get that correct it's one point and if we get the method correct as well that would be two points 12 points potentially on offer Tom you are the reigning champion after getting a hellacious nine points out of ten somehow stumping my seven Um, are you confident that you're going to be able to defend your belts this well, Joe, we're at the elite level here as you've just noted nine out of ten you pushed me you pushed me to the end, but you dropped the ball picking yep. Edson Barbosa against anyone who has any grappling ability. <laughs> um, preying on a, another another similar mistake here tonight. Expecting one, expecting to leave, retaining the belt. Uh, now, listeners, I should point out that actually, technically, we don't normally mm. offer a championship in these circumstances. It's normally for no. the, the big cards only. But um, because it's a special event, because we're back in England, and because I'm feeling, I'm just feeling dominant as a champ. I'm, I'm open it up <laughs> to all comers. Come at me, Joe. What, what have you got? Let's start here now I'm... with um, early on the card. Jai Herbert, Ilya Taporia. Yes, the uh, Georgian sen- sensation fighting out of Spain. Uh, the who... German-born Georgian sensation fighting. Is out he really? Spain. He is, yeah, quite oh, the God, this, uh, quite the international. Is he um is he part of the Joel Alvarez camp? I think he might be uh, those two, which is uh, I think quite odd. I think he was based out of uh, Alicante, another former former home of mine. Um, I, I oh, of course, see, yes, yeah, I didn't see any lang- link up with with Joel Alvarez actually. Mm, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Tapuria um is facing off against Jai Herbert. Uh, I'll talk about Jai just uh, briefly, and then we'll uh, I'll let you talk about Taporia. Jai Herbert, uh, probably most famous for his loss to uh, Trinaldo, uh, in which Dan Hardy managed to uh, get into an argument with Herb Dean. I'm sure everyone knows that uh, that moment. If you don't, go to YouTube and uh, treat yourself. But Jai Herbert, uh, for the lightweight division, is quite the anomaly. Six foot one. Um, 
not quite James Vick. Not quite James Vick, uh, six foot four. R.I.P. James. Uh, R.I.P. Indeed. But Jai Herbert uh, fights to that. He fights to his six foot one frame. He's got a long rangey striker. Uh, likes to work off the outside normally, control that distance from the outside, and basically stop people from coming in and getting the takedown from there. Um, the issue that Jai Herbert has as a fighter in general is that he has quite low output. You know, if you look, if you if your output strikes are about three per minute, if you're landing about three per minute, that's you know pretty low. Whatever, I think Jai Herbert's landing at two point four per minute. It's very low output, but he doesn't get hit much. That's the thing. He's hard to hit, but he doesn't throw out much. He's a very measured fighter. Um, the issue is, how would that match up against Ilya Tapuria, who's moving up from featherweight to lightweight for this fight? Um, Tom, what would you say is uh, Tapuria's uh, strong points as a fighter? Well, Tapuria's now uh, been... Labelled as a, a prospect. He's in that camp where we expect him to go on to the top. Uh, coming off the back now of of uh, three wins in the UFC. 11-0 mm. overall, undefeated. Um, mm. Something of a submission specialist. Fighting off a kind of yeah. Greco-Roman wrestling wrestling base. In the UFC itself, he's uh, he's been knocking people out. Ryan Hall was the last one back at UFC 264. Was that his last you win? remember that? I that do remember that. Win, it was a- yeah. That was a bizarre fight, if I remember, where Ryan Hall was just doing a lot of uh, Imanari rolls into nothing. Oh, that was his last. I was thinking of the Damon Jackson win. I don't know if you remember that one. Do you remember that that performance bit, against yeah. Damon Jackson, where he just lit him up on the feet and just yeah, I think knocked him out stand on his feet like it was yeah a brutal finish from Taporia. Anyway, continue. Well, just an interesting matchup overall here, Joe. As you said, uh, you got this. Rangy striker fighting a man coming up a weight class, a guy who's you know he is built like a featherweight to Pori, stands at only five foot six inches tall. Mm. Um, and it, the question I have here is where is this fight going to take place? You think Tapori will want to take him in, try and get in the pocket and trade with Herbert? No, uh, is going to no. be going for takedowns <laughs> straight away. Um, and the problem for Jai Herbert is that he has that very conservative output to prevent takedowns. That's part of it, is that like he uh, has that so that he can't be taken down, because obviously with a lot of British fighters, the wrestling just isn't there, because of that's just in, not ingrained into our culture. Uh, Tapuria's advantage is actually in the height disparity there, because he will be able to sort of, I don't know how else to put this, but get underneath Herbert, you know, link his hands together like behind the knees, you know, behind the thighs and whatnot, and just drag him into, down to the ground. Um, I think this is going to be pretty tough for Jai. Um, and I think Taporia. I don't know if this lightweight's a permanent move for him. Be interested to see if it is. I personally quite like him at featherweight. Um, no, no so questions about one. no questions about the the mismatch in size and weight here, Joe. You think he'll be able to impose well, his wrestling game on Herbert? Problem free. Well, well the problem. I don't know because there's. No, I don't. I don't see that being an issue for you. Mean like Herbert's size and weight being an advantage over Taporia? Uh, yeah, I mean normally when we look at wrestlers going going up divisions, um, then how did, you, how did that weight how did that weight advantage work for Joel Alvarez over Saruki in the other week? That was a massacre. Mm. Like it was a, you know, he beat him like he owed him money. It was like hellacious. I think the thing for Taporia is, is that. I don't know if you remember this, but he was supposed to fight Evloev on the Garn and Garnu card, and then he had Charles Jourdain, and that fight was cancelled as well because Taporia struggled to make weight. I think, in fact, that he didn't even bother to make weight um, because of how difficult it was. Um, so I don't know. This might be a permanent move for him. Um, we'll be interested to see. There is a definite fight potentially waiting for him if he wins this. That we'll what get to are you the talking about, lad? What, what are, are you talk- talking about? Um, we'll get to Paddy Pimlet in a moment. Are you, Tom, are you fucking joking? <laughs> we'll talk about that hype train in a moment. But Tom, lay on a prediction for me if you want to for Herbert versus Taporia. Joe, I've gone for a sub. I've really? gone for a sub. Four? Taporia. 
Yeah, your man Taporia, you know, before coming into the UFC, whereas I said, he's shown some 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 nice hands and actually shown the striking element to his game. Coming into the UFC, man had seven subs. Seven subs. Uh, Herbert himself wow. went down to Moicano, the classic, the uh, knockdown to RNC that we uh, saw <laughs> not not so long ago. And um, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm expecting I'm expecting a wrestling heavy game culminating in a sub. I am gone for pretty much the same thing. I've gone for Tapuri by knockout TKO. I'm expecting wrestling heavy into ground and pound, and getting the finish on Jai Herbert that way. Um, yeah, this feels like kind of a bit of a setup fight for Tapuria for bigger and better things within lightweight. And I'm sorry to say that Jai is the sacrificial lamb um, in this uh, situation. Uh, just my reading of it. Good, good fighter, but not. Not an elite Except, lightweight, in my opinion. Fans of Jay Herbert, send any criticism to, to, to Joe here and, and leave me out. <laughs> uh, I, I support you, on. Jay, but, you know, yeah, moving on. I'm, I'm sure you, I, I support you as I pick uh, Taporia to win by submission. Should we talk about the women's flyweight fight here, Tom? Uh, Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina. Uh, it was your job to do some uh, research on Carolina, so please... Lay it on me. Joe, what my research has told me is that Molly McCann is the favourite for this fight. Is she really? Um, uh, yeah, she is. She is. Molly McCann is coming in as a really? 1.73 on the uh, on the decimal odd system versus Luana Carolina's 2.25. So pretty pretty tightly matched. Um, okay. What, how do you see this fight going, Joe? <laughs> right. I'll break it down. I'll break down this fight. So Molly McCann is a solid flyweight, I'll put it as. She has the wins, I think, back that up, and so do the losses. She has losses. Uh, she has wins over uh, Ariana Lipsky, Priscilla Cachoeira, um, and Ji Yeon Kim. But her losses are to Talia Santos, or Tyler Santos, I should say who is uh, facing uh, Shevchenko for the title in June. Um, and Gillian Robertson as well. You know, she kind of... Uh, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a ceiling to where she can get to currently for the UFC. Very strong grappling game. That's kind of what she wants to go towards, is towards the wrestling and the takedowns. The problem that she has, though, is that she kind of has these sort of, like, looping punches. And uh, Luana Carolina... Uh, on her last fight against uh, Lupita uh, Godinese and uh, she had very straight hands, very straight straight jabs. So those sort of like looping punches from McCann against a woman who has an 8-inch reach advantage over her, who has a solid jab and a good solid 1-2 down the middle, and eight by inches. the way, yeah, and Are you serious, way, Joe? 8 inches? Sorry, 7 inches, 7 inches, All my right. mistake. No, I wasn't. And I wasn't calling way, you out there. I just uh, might have, might have missed that in my research. But go on, tell me more. And, tell me more. And and by the way, McCann, who has her wrestling and grappling, is what she wants to go to. Fights out at the same gym as Paddy Pimlet, which again is the grappling is his strong point. Um, Carolina has an eighty-eight percent takedown defense. Uh, she also has a strikes landed per minute at four point four nine and strikes absorbed at two point eight five. No, she's an elusive striker who likes to move back in and out, side to side. Um, I don't know if you can tell by this, but I've gone for uh, Carolina by decision. I think it's going to be a rough night for Molly McCann, I'm afraid. Joe, i got two words for you. Go on. Rule Britannia. <laughs> Molly McCann by decision. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, my God. You, you really? <laughs> yeah. Have a word I'll... with yourself. Have a word. You can't pick Taporia and then this lass as well. We are <laughs> only English the... <laughs> based here. Fans. I'm sorry about Joe. Uh, oh my god. God almighty, we're gonna be debating Brexit in a moment. Uh this is this is getting, getting a bit much for me. Uh fair enough, alright. Well never mind rule Britannia. Let's get on to rule Iceland. Tom, your countryman, or your your soon to be adopted countryman. Gunnar Nelson is fighting. Yeah. This card. Yeah. Gunny, welcome he's back. He's back. Uh, back Gunny. We weren't sure in Iceland uh, whether he would be back. He's been out 
for a couple of years now. Last time he fought was September of 2019, uh, and it was a pretty one-sided loss to uh, surging Gilbert Burns. Yes. Um, that was his second loss in a row, and it very much seemed like Gunnar had hit a little bit of a wall. Um, Do you remember the, uh, the been... Leon Edwards loss? Sure, sure. It was a split decision loss to, to Leon. It was never a split decision. I don't know how anyone <laughs> gave anything to... I don't know how anyone gave that to Gunnar Nelson. No. If, I, if I remember correctly, I gave all three rounds to Leon Edwards, who even dropped Gunnar Nelson in that fight. The thing that was concerning there is that uh, Leon, he did manhandle Gunnar in the grappling department. And, uh, yes. And, and, that, and that was a, a real concern, because that is, that is Gunnar's base. Um, yes. So that was... Uh, that was a that was a concerning loss for Gunnar. Now, of course, at the time, uh, Edwards was just another welterweight. Uh, he's mm. since gone on to establish himself as at the top of the divisions, as has Burns. Um, and perhaps yeah. in hindsight, Gunnar's losses haven't been so bad, but he does have five of them in the UFC, winning eight fights, losing five. It's not a bad uh, record. Not a bad record. Um, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the guys he's lost to. He lost to uh, Burns and Edwards, Ponzinibbio, Damian Meyer, and this is Damian Meyer 2015, and then Rick Story in 2014. It's not a listen. These aren't embarrassing losses, are they? It's it's not. It's this is you know decent fighters that he's losing to, up to very good fighters. So. Yeah, they've certainly stood the test of time, and uh, actually, one can kind of reevaluate them in in hindsight now, given what some of these guys have gone on to do. Mm. Um, Gunnar has signed a new contract. Uh, yeah, he's actually been out with his his baby girl. She was she was born after the Burns fight, and I think that's part of the reason he's had this layoff and trying to assess where he's at. Yeah, so it's not it's not as clear cut as he's lost his passion for the sport or he can't right. take the punishment anymore. Um, they've given him a bit of a layup here, I think, Joe, with with Sato. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it definitely has that Sato's that sense in a, to it. Sato's in a tricky situation here, which is um, Sato actually on the feet is actually fairly similar to Gunnar Nelson, not to the extreme that Nelson is with his karate stance, but he does yeah, he has he does have a sort of karate stance as well um, you know he's, he's very hittable though, and I think the most damning part of Sato's record is the amount of losses that he has um, to submissions uh Actually, three of his four losses are submission losses, including an arm triangle to Miguel Baeza, who is not predominantly a grappler. Uh, I'm going to lay it out there. Gunnar Nelson by submission for me um, is the pick and is, to be honest, the only pick that you can make for this. Athram, Eastland. Uh, yeah, I've gone for a submission for Gunnar Nelson also. And, uh, yeah. Fingers crossed, because there's a lot of you know he's a he's a big star in Iceland. Actually, it's quite hard to to understate that he is one of the country's really? primary sportsmen, up there with with Gilvi Sigurdsson. Who uh, <laughs> <laughs> are we allowed and, to talk uh, about him anymore? Or? Well, yes, uh, I think he was eventually named in some. Uh, some police inquiries yeah, of a concerning nature. So, <laughs> for fuck's sake, uh, yeah. Lot, lot shouldn't riding laugh, here but... on, on Gunnar. No, should, yeah. should, shouldn't laugh. laugh no. Shouldn't laugh at that, no. No, not at all. But yeah, I'm trying to... Who are the other famous Icelandic... Uh, you got your man from uh, World's Strongest Man. That's big in Iceland. Hapthor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, shout out to all... Uh, shout out to everyone else who watched that as a, as a kid. I don't know. Did you ever watch that when you were growing up, World's Strongest Man? Absolutely, absolutely. My man. Cracking, cracking bit of uh, telly around Christmas. Yeah, uh, Gunnar Nelson by submission's the only pick here, isn't it? It's the, uh, like, yeah, stick the mortgage on it, basically. That That's how confident I would be. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Very excited, right. anyway, to see, to see him back, and, and I'm, I'm glad they've, I'm glad they've given him this kind of fight, Joe. I, I, I couldn't take a, couldn't take a beat down. No. No, if he was facing a 
I don't know, Neil. Well, he's fought Neil Magny, hasn't he? <laughs> that was about, about to be a bad pick, but I don't know. Even a, um, I don't know, who's someone in that welterweight division that I don't want him to go go near. No, he hasn't fought Neil Magny. Yeah, Chimaev. Jesus Christ, I think Chimaev's blown past him solidly. I think yeah. it'd be interesting. I hope. I, do you know what it is? I just want Gunnar Nelson to fight regularly if he wants to. And because he's an interesting character to watch within the cage, you know, he's that unique sort of uh, approach that he has to it. It's nice to have him back. Right. Uh, speaking of layups and can crushing, Paddy the Baddy Pimblet, who is he maybe the biggest star on this card right now? Or I, I don't know how to how to like look at this. It's so bizarre. But Paddy the Baddy Pimblet. Is fighting Rodrigo Vargas. Um, Tom, let me ask you just straight up, simple question: Are you on the Paddy Pimlet hype train? I am not on the hype train, Joe. I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm just here shaking my head when you say this is the perhaps the the biggest star on the card. Uh, the thing that was really standing out to me here coming in, looking at this fight and the fight following where we've got another uh, young English fighter in Brendan Allen, a man who is mm. 8-0 in the UFC. Mm. Let me just say that again. He's 8-0 in the UFC. Paddy, uh, meanwhile, has fought once in the UFC. It was a crazy fight, but um, how how that man could have more name recognition than, than Brendan Allen... There's no justice in the world, Joe. I am not on the train. What about you? Did you... Uh, uh, no, I'm not on the train for a number of reasons that we will get into with this. Uh, actually, I'll give you my main reason that I am not uh, on this hype train. Is that I have actually seen Paddy Pimlet fighting in Cage Warriors. Um, and... Listen, he became a champion very, uh, very young age in Cage Warriors. I believe he was 23 years old. He uh, became featherweight champion. It was a title that was vacated. And then his first title defense, he faced a man who is currently in the UFC. A man by the name of Julian Arosa. You know Julian Arosa? We all do. Absolutely. Good fighter. Ultimate fighter. Uh, yes, Paddy Pimlet uh, defeated Julian Arosa uh, in Cage Warriors, retaining his featherweight title in a fight that was described afterwards by nearly everyone who watched it as a robbery. Um, if you watch that fight back, Julian Arosa won four rounds of that fight, maybe even five, and Paddy Pimlet won a unanimous decision over him. It was so dodgy. It was pretty incredible, to be honest. It was it, There was no way that Pimlet won that fight, and he did. That was my main um, takeaway from his time in Cage Warriors. Also, um, lost to uh, Soren Back. Uh, who is currently in uh, Bellator, uh, who, again, is a very good uh, lightweight. Um, Paddy Pimlet, should I sort of break down his game? Like, or do you, do you want to go through that? Um, no, Joe, I think I'd, I'd, I'd welcome that. Perhaps we, we'll get on to Vargas uh, in a minute. Let's, let's tell, tell yeah. us a bit more about Paddy. So, pa- Paddy Pimlet, um, for as crazy as that last fight was... Uh, against uh, Luigi Vendramini, and it he was is... crazy, Joe. That was a barnstorming crazy. It was a crazy, crazy round. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like um, the fight from last week between Drew Dober and Terence McKinney, where it's like, oh my god, this guy's about to get finished. Oh my god, this guy somehow got the finish. Um, that was that is within Paddy Pimlet is that he can get drawn into these fights. The problem with that, and as you saw in that fight, is that he keeps his hands very low, which is fine. Striking from with low hands, not not a problem. That opens up a lot of positive things. You know, your opponent not necessarily being able to see what you're throwing. Good for takedown defense. But it's the case that after he threw his shots, his chin was high up in the air on a center line and was getting swiped at quite regularly. Um. He is very much happy to trade. Which, by the way, is something that his opponent, Rodrigo Vargas, is also happy to do. Um, Tom, did you manage to take in any yeah. of Vargas's work? Yeah, well, coming coming on to Vargas, I mean, we were talking about can crushing. 
and easy layups. I mean, Vargas is, is 36. 36 yep. uh, at this weight class is is long in the tooth. I think it's, yep. I think it's fair to particularly, say. Particularly for an unranked 36 as well. This is a man, he's come out of uh, Combate. Um, and yes. The most damning thing, you know, he's, he's uh, one and two in the UFC. That's losing two fights. The most damning thing that I can say about uh, Vargas. I know what you're about, about to say. <laughs> I know. Well, this on. is. I mean, I just this this is damnation in my eyes. This man lost a fight to Brock Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> there is no worse stain on a UFC record than that. And the way he lost that fight, Joe, I, I don't, do you do you remember that? Do you remember this fight? You may Didn't well remember he, uh, it if I remind he, if rem- remind you of it. Can I can I guess? Can I can I try? Did he um? It. Was it the case that it was the Anthony Smith John Jones thing of like he Brock Weaver he was beating Brock Weaver up and then he threw an illegal knee. He, is that right? Joe, he was Brock Weaver is chief of the Jabrones, uh, <laughs> and he was getting wrestle fucked. By Vargas, um, but that, oh, sorry about that, listeners. Uh, I was getting animated and I just smashed the mic to, to mimic what was going on in the fight. I was laying ground and pound, which is what was happening on 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 Brock. Uh, then Vargas goes to to start. He stands up, postures up to start, uh, you know, dropping bombs, and it, and it's he's standing above. Brock, who sat against the fence, looking up at him with his arms by his side, and then he just yeah. blasts him with a knee to the face and KOs him. <laughs> it was. Which, uh, by the way, yeah, you're talking about you're talking about the wrestling and the ground and pen. Vargas is a boxer. Yes, like he's, that, that he, he's not he's not a wrestler. This guy is a southpaw boxer who likes to throw neat one twos. Okay. He's not. This isn't like Khabib we're talking about here, where it's just like he drowned Weaver with the grappling and then lost his head. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting as well in terms of on the feet because Paddy Pimlet is an orthodox striker up against the Southpaw striker there. So it's going to be fighting for that lead, lead leg. Who can get on the inside first, and then who can lead that dance? But go on, Tom. Well, I was just going to say my question is, Joe, is you know, Paddy here, is he going to trade with him? Is that yeah, the game plan? of course he's going to trade he's with him. He's going to swang and bang and rock and roll. He's going to swang and bang. He's going to rock and roll. Like he's going to feel the energy of that crowd, and he's going to swang and bang. All right, how do you see it going, Ninja? Paddy Pimlet by TKO knockout. That's what I'm going for. So Vargas hasn't. Re- yeah, you see Vargas. He's not actually been. He's not been knocked out. Um, and as you say, the man has a. Uh, has a pretty solid stance as a striker. I, I, mm. I, I think he will be able to weather those storms. I think there's a good chance really? of that. And instead of getting KO'd, we'll go down to a to a decision loss. Wow, Paddy Pimlet by decision. Wow, that's always a bit of a damnation, by the way, of picking the decision win there. For, for well, that is that is me expressing skepticism about Paddy Pimlet in general. Um, of course, yeah. we had a little bit of beef between Paddy and Ilatapuria. <laughs> uh, uh, what did you make of that? Well, Paddy had had, had said some pretty crazy things about uh, Georgians being under the foot of Russian domination because of their weakness, which was incredibly offensive to uh, the Georgian people. Yeah, it's a horrible people. thing to say. Especially given the context now, it couldn't really be any worse after Georgia... Uh, fought a war against Russia in 2008 in which pe- people died Paddy, pe- people died in that war um, so yeah. totally moronic comment and um, yeah, let's make that fight after this, if Paddy does manage to keep his train stopped with coal and it's still running let's put the Taporia roadblock there and, and shut this down yeah, uh, I'd, be, I'd be down with that sort of thing, I also am going to be interested to see how is Pimlet going to be displayed tonight by the UFC. And by that, do you remember when Connor fought Max Holloway? Yes. In the UFC. I think yes. it was his second fight. And, it was his second fight in the and UFC. And Max's first, I believe. Max's 
first or second? It was one of it was early for Max. I think he might have fought Poirier first, actually, Max, which is wow. mad when you look at it. His his record, um, but he was on the prelims and he got the main event walkout style of blacked out crowd, his music blaring, with the full big walkout and Paddy Pimler. I don't know if you know this about his time in Cage Warriors. Had a very uh, iconic walkout for Cage Warriors that was very well choreographed, I must say. Um, set to uh, Basement Jack's Where's Your Head At? And I'm wondering, are they going to give him the same treatment and make him look like a big-time star in the UFC? That'd and if they do that, you can forget that Taporia fight, let me tell you. <laughs> that is not going to happen. No, maybe they will shield him from that. I mean, look, I, I, love, I, love, I love a story. I like momentum. I like the UFC getting behind people. And, uh, you know, I don't see much more to come from, from Vargas. I won't be upset if Paddy comes through this with another highlight, you know. Um, so let's, yeah, I, let's just let's see about that. And also, Paddy Pimlet being successful and winning these fights is good for me as well. Because uh, if there's normal people, quote normal people, start talking up, oh, Paddy Pimlet, he's going to be a next... UFC champion. I'm thinking I can make some money off these. Get people. some good odds out there. Yeah. Well, I yeah. Mean, Paddy is the strongest favorite on this card. One point one eight. I think so, that's fine. To be fair, I, I actually yeah. kind of agree with that. Just to be honest. Just to be clear, there for your one pound, one krona, one dollar, you will receive eighteen cents, eighteen pennies uh, back if you pick Paddy Not and bad. He wins. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Brendan Allen versus Dan Hooker. Arnold Proper Allen. fighters. Uh, yes. Arnold. Uh, uh, It'd be good if you got the see. name correct. This, Joe, this is this is what I'm talking about right here. Arnold Allen, my man. He's got eight wins in the UFC, and I can't even say his name. That's how <laughs> little, little hype, little coverage this guy has got. Tell us. Tell us I about know. Uh, Brendan Allen. Tell us about Arnold Allen, Joe. Arnold Allen. Uh, yeah, as Tom says, eight fights in the UFC. Uh, I think me and you can both acknowledge what Arnold Allen's big downfall is in the UFC, though, is one fight a year, pretty much. He had... Can I... Uh, I'll just run through his fights, by the way. So, here are the people that he's beaten. Maquan Americani, Mads Burnell, who is now currently uh, towards the top of the featherweight division in Bellator... Jordan Rinaldi, Gilbert Melendez, Nick Lentz, and Sadiq Youssef. Problem is, is that these fights took place in 2017, 2018, two in 2019, one in 2020, one in 2021. Arnold Allen is just not active enough to get his name out there, uh, out to the sort of, quote, casual fan. But let me tell you, if there is a man for the casual fan, it is Dan the Hangman Hooker who is moving down from lightweight, starts at the featherweight, moves up to lightweight, comes back down to featherweight to face Arnold Allen. Did you see what Dan Hooker said about this fight this week? I didn't, Joe. He said, if I win this fight, that means I'm on the nine-fight win streak. I take his win streak, and it's mine now. (laughs) That is brilliant from Hooker. Well, they're the words of a man man who has got the polar opposite record. 21 and 11, 11 and 7 in the UFC, lost three of his last four fights. So, uh, you know, what, what, what are you supposed to say when those are the stats in front of you, when those are the facts? Okay, let's, let's talk about, we'll get to some style matchups, we'll get to some statistics and whatnot. Let me, can I run through the losses of uh, Dan Hooker within the UFC? So he's lost to, he went, when he was at uh, Featherweight, he went one win. He traded wins and losses. Losses were to Maximo Blanco, Yair Rodriguez, and Jason Knight. Moves up to lightweight, which includes a four-fight win streak. Includes a win over Gilbert Burns. Then lost to Edson Barbosa, which was about as close as you can get to a murder Fatality. within the cage. Fatality. Yeah. yeah. Beats James Vick. Ally Quinta and Paul Felder in a very close split decision. Then losses to uh, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, and Islam Makachev. Uh, win over Nas- Nasrat Hakpress in there as well. There is a clear 
line of quality in the guys that he's lost to recently. And it's dependent to me on how highly do you think of Arnold Allen. Is he in that sort of Chandler Poirier quality? Do you think? Well, th- Tom, do you think? Is, do you think? Just... Do you think this guy's a featherweight contender? I, I think absolutely. If you're seventeen and one and eight and zero in the UFC, you're you should be a contender. Uh, it, it, mm. The thing that's really crazy here, it's really really crazy, is that you just look at the guys that Hooker has fought, the name recognition on those guys, the guys he's lost to. We're talking about uh, a future champ. Let's be honest, very likely Islam Mahachev. Uh, last yeah. time out, KO'd by Chandler on his debut. Chandler, a man who fought for the belt directly off that off off that fight. Former Lost Bellator champion as well. Former yeah, Bellator Poirier. Poirier, who at that time was kind of the uh, you know champion in waiting. And uh, so he's he's had some huge fights. Hooker, as you say, he's been found wanting against the the big the the, the stellar names there. Yes, he beat Nazrat Hakparas, but it's, it's not in the same category. Brendan Allen, he doesn't have a single name like that on his record. Sadiq Youssef, he's another kind of niche fighter. He won last time out, uh, last weekend. Good fighter, but um, you know the the casual fan out there, they don't, they're not going to recognise the likes of Nick Lentz or Gilbert Melendez. Um, it's really amazing to look at their two careers, how the profile of the man, the men that uh, Hooker has fought. Versus mm. the profile of the men's that the men that Jesus, <laughs> the men that Allen has fought. Um, yeah, it so it's really it's unbelievable that they've had such distinct careers, and we still mm. don't know, as you say quite rightly there, Joe. What is Brendan Allen's level? We know where Hooker is, because mm. um, Allen he just hasn't had a test of that caliber. My question to no. you, instead of the one you posed to me, Joe, would be. Is Hooker the right man to test Brendan Allen? Oh, Jesus Christ. Arnold Allen, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm, all these slights. Uh, is, is Dan Hooker the right level, the right man for us to establish Arnold Allen's level? For me, yes. Uh, I think Dan Hooker is actually a really interesting uh, matchup for uh, Arnold Allen. First off, is that Dan Hooker actually does have five-round conditioning. He has gone five rounds in the UFC twice now. Uh, And so when he's got that level of conditioning, maybe he could just pick up the pace for a three-round fight then, uh, you know, knowing that he has that sort of five-round sort of gas tank within him. He's also willing to press forward and put pressure on people. This is going to be interesting to see how Allen responds to the pressure of Hooker, also a bigger man as well. It's going to be interesting to see in the clinches. You know, you can you can sort of imagine the situation of sort of Hooker sort of maybe bullying him in the clinch because of that size disparity. And it's going to be interesting to see, is Allen, does he have the skills to control those spaces against Dan Hooker? And to me, personally, I think he does because actually Arnold Allen has pretty good takedowns as well. He's got a good rate of takedowns as well. 1.44 per 15 minutes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, it's not Marab Devashvili. But it's a pretty good rate of takedowns, particularly from an Englishman as well. You know, it's rare for an Englishman to have uh, takedowns of that quality. It's can Allen respond to the output of Hooker? That is the main question for me. And for me, the answer is yes. My dis- my pick is Arnold Allen by decision uh, in this co-main event. Tom, two words for you. Rule Britannia. Tell me that you've uh, tell me that you've made the correct choice. Yeah, you, you've issued the call, and I will respond. I've picked Arnold Allen by decision, also. Mm. Uh, I I think here uh, these are two men going in different directions. I mean, it would be really? for me. It would be it would be despite the odds, they're quite well matched by by the bookmakers. Um, I think it would be uh, for me actually a bit of a shock win for for Hooker. Wow, I, 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 that's how I see the fight. Yeah. Wow, that's that's interesting. So you've gone for a decision as well. Yeah, I've gone for a decision, Arnold Allen. Do you think Hooker for you is on the downturn simply because of the amount of damage he's taken and the people he's fought? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's just yeah, we've been saying for a while. Um, it's 
sparing, sparing. One might argue that Arnold Allen at featherweight is sparing Dan Hooker. This is a man, you know, he doesn't have huge power. Um, no. And so, I, you know, I, I welcome this fight for, for Hooker as well. Um, mm. the, the thing is, you know, you look back at lightweight. I know this uh, Dan Hooker's come down here, but you've got you've got a few fellas here who are really just wait. They're just they're unjustifiably high in the rankings. Dan Hooker eighth in the rankings somehow, just behind Tony Ferguson. Mm. Three fight losing streak. Tony Ferguson, who's seventh. <laughs> Below that, you've got Conor McGregor. Joe, is so, Conor still ranked? Conor's ranked number nine. Yeah. At lightweight, yeah, it's uh, it's off. it's really crazy, and so this is the kind of fight where we can just all, uh, right, all you all you need to do is tell me tell, name someone who we both know who is not ranked at lightweight to really tip me over the edge of like like well, is Brad Brad Riddell well, is he ranked? It, Brad Riddell's at fourteen. I mean, let me put let me tell you this, Jesus Joe. Christ, Armand Sarukian is ranked below these guys. Oh fuck off. ridiculous isn't it it is it is crazy yeah it is crazy I, listen i we'll, we'll talk about tony in a, in a couple months because he's got a fight uh, set up against michael chandler but is there any real need for tony ferguson to be ranked like is there any need for conor mcgregor to be ranked like they're gonna fight and people are gonna watch regardless i feel like they should just be in their own sort of like the fans like them they're popular you know, it's how kind of how I, how I feel about Masvidal right now. Masvidal doesn't need to be Diaz. ranked. Take him out of the rankings. Diaz. Yeah. Plenty of guys like this. Anyway. Main event. Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall. Kind of an old guard versus new guard setup here. Aspinall in a big spot. He's kind of one of the guys as well who... Kind of worked under the radar a little bit of uh, COVID. Although, say, working under the radar, the UFC became more popular during COVID and lockdown and pandemics and whatnot. Aspinall is uh, his first time fighting in front of a crowd for the in the UFC, and it's in a main event. This is, I think, going to be the main pressure point for him, is will he be able to handle this situation? But, well, I think that's kind of the main narrative. The narrative to me is, can he handle Alexander Volkov who, to me, is one of the best heavyweights in the world. I was wondering if you're going to say that, Joe, because we uh, previously we've been disparaging about the heavyweight division and Volkov is the owner of one of the most comical uh, knockout losses in, in UFC history for me. An iconic moment though? when he got... Well, yes, Joe. Yes, it is. When you're going to label uh, uh, a heavyweight as an elite striker, one of the best in the world, if you're a heavyweight... Of, of his caliber, a kickboxer, and you get matched up with a guy with one or two weapons, dominating for 15 minutes, and then, then get kabooshed with his one weapon with about 30 seconds remaining. That's, I mean, that is iconic. Uh, it's also it's also comical. We're talking about your man, Derek Lewis, the opposite of an elite <laughs> heavyweight who, who somehow managed to beat Volkov. So I did wonder, Joe, I did wonder if you would hold Volkov in that uh, esteem, in that in that company of being one of the best heavyweights in the world. He is, though, one of the best heavyweights in the world. I, 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 I actually believe that. I mean, maybe that people could take that as an indictment of the heavyweight division. But let's look at uh, a couple of his recent fights. You had the fight against Marcin Tybura, which was a bit of a strange one. Don't you remember this fight? Where Volkov just took do, the entire yeah. second round off. <laughs> like, he just yeah. chilled. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just I punted do. it. And then just <laughs> accelerated away. Yeah, that was a, that was a funny one. Just, I, just going, talking about his recent fights and talking about the caliber of Volkov and the fact that this is the first... I didn't actually know that. First time in front of a crowd in the UFC for Tom Aspinall. Yes, indeed. That's a crazy yes, bit indeed. of trivia. But Volkov, I mean, despite... Maybe not having a huge profile. This man is a main event star. You know how yeah. many main event, how many, any headlines he's had? Uh, four. Is it four? Joe, since since two thousand and seventeen. Now, here's In a the headline UFC. fight to, to 
to make you smile. Yeah, we're talking about since uh, Bellator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. You, tell me if you buy a ticket for this show. UFC Fight Night: Volkov versus Struve. Oh, oh my God! Where was that? I, let me guess. Was that in some Eastern European country? Where Where did that take? Oh, that took place in Rotterdam. That, oh my! That was days. in Rotterdam, right? Followed oh, it up this again. One, was this the one? Was this the one that you could have gone to? I don't know if you, if I remember this correctly or if I took that was that I missed. I missed Jan uh, Blachowicz in Krakow. I missed that. Um, really? Against yeah. two? Yeah, I missed. That. I missed that. Uh, I'd have to go back through Blachowicz's record, but it was a, yeah, it was a time. It was another time. We live with regrets. But Volkov, he followed that up with another headline, another main event. This time against Vadum. Tell me, buy buy that one, Joe. That was in uh, London. You want tickets? That was in London. What? Uh, I Would tried to get tickets? tickets for that one. I tried to get a tickets for that card, but I got rejected, uh, obviously, because it was uh, sold out very quickly. Um, that had um, that had Blahovich on it as well, didn't it? That card, I think. In fact, I'm checking. It did indeed have Jan Blahovich on that card as well. Um, sorry, yeah, go on. Uh, what was his other main event? So that's two. That's two. That's two. All right now, after that, the infamous loss to Derek Lewis, which we just described. This was in 2018, UFC 229 in Las Vegas. Wasn't a main event there. Downgraded mm. then to a Greg Hardy fight in Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the co-main, wasn't it? To Cater versus the Beats. Yep, that's right, Joe. Yep, yep. Did the business there. No issues. No issues. Straight into another main event. All right. His stock's risen after that. This time he's fighting Curtis Blades. Buy or sell tickets for that one? Uh, no. No, I'll, I'll pass not, on that one. I remember with that fight that Blades had taken him down for about three, four, three rounds. And in the fourth round, he got knackered and Volkov actually took him down in that fight. He actually got a takedown on Curtis Blades. Um, yeah, which is something. And he, was, he won the, the last two rounds of that fight quite convincingly. Uh, which but we'll went down later. to a decision loss against Blades. So, dropped out no then a main event contention once more. This time, so we had Greg Hardy last time after the loss to Lewis. Think of a jabron in the UFC. In the heavyweight division. <laughs> Alright, we've gone to Walt, Walt Harris, Harris at that time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Julie did the business on Walt Harris, finishing with a, with a KO. So, back to the main event. This time it's Alistair Overeem. Finished what do him. What you think, Joe? Finished, Finished him. him. But uh, this is main main event. Are you gonna? You want to see that one? I bought. I yeah. I I'd buy that ticket. I'd buy that ticket. I like. I like the Ream. You know. Right. So he's still on his win streak. Then he goes to another main event. This time it's Cyril <laughs> Garn. Uh, a fight that he lost, and I probably. <laughs> At that time, I think if it was in my back garden, I might close the curtains. It was one of those sorts of uh, sorts of heavyweight fights. I don't even think I watched that fight. Did I? No, I did watch it. I did watch it. Uh, if I remember correctly, was this the one that Garn was criticised for his performance? It was, or was it the uh, Rosenstroke one? No, it, it was this fight. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, a typical kind of point scoring kickboxing matchup. It was quite a tactical fight, you know, for if you are mm. an aficionado of. Of uh, point fighting, mm. then, um, um, then and then yeah, he lost. Appreciated this one, lost that one, and then moved down to a, a fight with Tybura, which was on the undercard of Blahovich Teixeira. Joe, there's a trend here, you know. So there is a trend, sli- slightly higher than. So we've gone we, off of losses. You got matched up with Hardy, then you got matched up with Walt Harris. This time he's matched up with Tybura. Julie does what's necessary, as you said. Took the second round off, but won the first and the third comfortably. And he's back again to a main event. This man is a star, Joe. He's a UFC star. This is... Hold on. How many main events is this then? This is six main events for Alexander Volkov. That is insane, isn't it? Crazy. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Can I bring up a point from the Cyril Garn fight? So now Cyril Garn obviously has this sort of style that, you know, where he overwhelms you with strikes and flicks out at you or whatever. He outstruck Volkov in the entire fight by 20 strikes. It's not that much. That's not much. Four strikes per round. 
is outstruck him by. That's not a lot, really. And that's against Cyril Gand, who's kind of like the scene as the future of the heavyweight division, which is also kind of the tag that was given to Tom Aspinall, because he does indeed have a similar style to Cyril Gunn, that sort of light in and out, sort of bobbing and weaving on his feet, side-to-side lateral movement. And that is something that Aspinall needs in this main event, which is space behind him. Space that he can retreat, let Volkov move into with his attacks, expend that energy, and then Aspinall can start moving him back. Aspinall, by the way, has gone into the second round once in the UFC. He, uh, everything else, and that was against uh, Arlovsky, which he got a, a rear naked choke in on him. Uh, and finishes as well, finished every single fight. In fact, he has never gone the distance. I'm just checking now. He's never gone the distance, Tom Aspinall. And he's in a five-round main event. Now, obviously, we don't know what his cardio is going to be like over five rounds. But I think we are going to potentially find out this weekend, can he go the five-round distance? I don't know. Is that the same feeling you're getting? Absolutely, Joe. I think you've summed it up pretty well there. Um, mm. I think what we're getting across here is there's a lot of there's a lot of hype behind Tom Aspinall, and he's looked very impressive against Arlovsky, against Spivak. But this is another level for him, and we're going to find out a lot about Tom Aspinall here. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Also, Tom Aspinall, when I'm saying about this, you know, he's light on his feet and quick hands for a heavyweight. He's got good takedowns as well, good submissions. You know, he finished Arlovsky decisively on the ground. It got to the ground, and he finished him very quickly from there I am can I lay my prediction out for you first or do you want to go first yeah no go for it Joe I think Aspinall will win the early parts of this fight and then I think if he doesn't put Volkov away he could be in trouble and I can honestly envision this uh, Volkov landing those front kicks to the stomach draining away from his gas tank being able to survive the blitz and taking it into to the later championship rounds and to be honest I was even thinking he could maybe even get a finish late on in this fight similar to the Vadum one which I think he finished him in the third or the fourth I'm laying out my prediction right now Alexander Volkov by decision over Tom Aspinall and Volkov oh. by the way Volkov by the way betting underdog get your money on that I'm telling you get your money on that Joe, you shocked me there. Really? You shocked me. Yeah, I, I really, I had you here being seduced by the Tom Aspinall story, by the man we've seen in yeah. the UFC. Who, he's looked great. He, he Tom has. Tom Aspinall has looked absolutely fantastic. The Spiv Joe, knocked out. Finished. <laughs> he's got, knocked the Spiv out. Sub Darlowski, beat Bordeaux. And Jake Collier. Cool. Yeah. Now, listen, this is perfect, you know, Joe Greenwood jumps on the hype train material. And I think he will do, I think he'll look really good against Volkov. I just think the Volkov, who has that five-round experience, has the five-round cardio, has that sort of, I mean, he's got the height advantage over him as well. He's got those long kicks that he can start throwing in there, sort of keep Aspinall away. I've I've got to go with Volkov by decision. It's so plainly Volkov by decision for me. L- listeners, let me tell for? you here. This is Joe. This is this is the real world. This is adulthood crashing down around young Joe <laughs> here. This is the young. This is the idealist meeting the realist right now. I know. Um, now, Joe, uh, you give me less pleasure in my prediction here, but I've also gone for Alexander Volkov. I think this is. A big ask for Ton Aspinall. Um, and I've picked Volkov by, by decision. This, this is, is a man who's who's at the top of the division, right? He he is excellent, Alexander Volkov. And yeah. I think a lot of the coverage going in here, people how he can go in as an underdog here. Uh, I don't It's know. insane. Yeah. It's insane, isn't it? Like I, I would just yeah, I'd pile the money on Volkov uh, for this one. This is going to be one of those that I think, even in defeat, we're going to learn a lot about Aspinall, and I think we're going to learn a lot for the positives. I think Aspinall will take a lot from this fight in a positive way, and potentially come back. Although saying that, 
If he smokes Volkov, bro, we're looking we're looking at a top five dude right here. We're looking at a potential what a Cyril Garn fight maybe. If he smokes Volkov, Joe, I'm on the train. I'm on the ship. Load up, Her Majesty's, uh, you know, vessel. Let's yes, exactly. If he if he smokes Volkov, if he does that, if he does that, right? Should we go through our predictions one last time through this fight card, just quickly? So, opening up the main card, we got Jai Herbert versus Ilya Tapuria. Um, I've gone for Tapuria by knockout, whereas I chose submission for Ilya. Uh, Molly McCann. Uh, versus, sorry, let me get my notes correct here. Luana, Luana Carolina, I've gone for Carolina by decision. Yeah, I, I've gone for McCann by decision. Uh, then we've got Gunnar Nelson versus Takashi Sato. I believe we've both gone for Nelson by submission. That's right. Paddy Pimlet versus Pad, Paddy Pimlet versus Rodrigo Vargas. Pimlet by TKO for myself and for you. I've had a decision for Paddy. Uh, Arnold Allen, not Brendan. Uh, versus Dan Hooker uh, Arnold Allen by decision for me I mean I feel so guilty about that uh, Arnold <laughs> I picked you though by by decision and lastly Volkov uh, Alexander Volkov versus Tom Aspinall we've both gone for Volkov by decision right there okay very quickly let's go through some of the prelims what is the fight that stands out to you the most on the prelims? Well, I think there are two men on here who can feel aggrieved that they're not on the main card, and they can probably yes. look at uh, a certain Liverpudlian with, with curtains and think, what is going on here? Uh, those yeah. two men are Paul Craig and Nikola Krylov, two ranked mm. guys at light heavyweight. Two guys, the winner of this fight is is got to be getting close to a being in the title picture, Joe. Yeah, I think so. Paul Craig was talking about this this week, saying he actually doesn't think Prohaska will beat Teixeira. He thinks Teixeira will beat Prohaska. And then he thinks that Ankalaev will be the man to defeat Teixeira, which would then line up perfectly for Paul Craig as being the only man to have beaten Ankalaev. You know, he said it rightly. He was like, wouldn't he want to uh, fix that? I know I would. So, good on uh, Paul Craig for trying to work an angle. I respect it. And I also respect the fact that he, as we said before, he looks the way that he does, he talks the way that he does, and he fights the way that he does, which is not what you expect at all. Pulling guard, you know, funky submissions. I love it. And I can't wait to uh, see him fight this weekend. Do you have him going over Krilov? I think it's a, it's a tough fight. I think they're, it's a good matchup. Uh... I've got to say, my instinct is that Krilov uh, should be the favourite. I don't know how, what the betting line is. I think mm. I would say the same for all Paul Craig fights, though. So <laughs> don't take that personally, uh, yeah. Paul, or, or fans of Paul Craig. No, he's a great, great addition to the roster at, at light heavyweight. A few years ago, I think he was looking at retirement, was looking at jacking it in. I just think it's... um, I cannot understand how these guys are on the prelims not even headlining the prelims yes yeah, it's, it's strange isn't it it's strange i mean no offense to the ladies but that's no i mean we're talking about ranked fighters here who are fighting on the prelims and it's i, I, I don't know like even the paddy pimlet one i'm looking at i'm like i don't, I don't know i don't know if that should I mean, even be Joe, P there I'll, I'll be honest with you i'm looking at taporia herbert i'm looking at Sato, uh, I just I'm not sure what's going on here, but uh, there we go. There we uh, go. Jack Shaw versus Timur Valiev is a particularly interesting one. Jack Shaw very quietly undefeated in, in well in his career and also within the UFC four fights four wins in a row I should say. This is going to be the step up though against Valiev. Uh, who also has a impressive record: eighteen wins, two losses, no losses in the UFC. Um, yeah, this is going to be who is, <laughs> as is the way with bantamweight, who's going to win this fight to maybe fight someone else to maybe get ranked. This division is deep and dark, and these two are in. Well, they're at the beginning of that journey up the uh, up the up the rankings. Joe, I think you covered it perfectly there. This uh, this is just crazy and it exemplifies the uh, bantamweight division. 
I watched yeah. Timo Valier fight uh, Barcelos. Barcelos, yeah. uh, Raoni Barcelos, this is. A, a hellacious uh, finisher and grappler and a man who, at that point, was 16-1, and one, mm. won all his fights in the UFC, went in against Valiev uh, with a bit of a higher profile, but Valiev uh, did, he, he won the decision and he won it justifiably. Fight of the night. This is Valiev's next fight following on from there and he's fighting a guy who's 15-0 who, nobody, who nobody's ever heard of. I mean, Bantamweight is a scary place, Joe. Yeah, scary place that I would not want to go to at all. Some dark alley that you don't, you can't see the light well, at the end of it. Mate, uh, you don't need to worry what's about waiting? That. <laughs> well, what's waiting at the end of that alley is Piotr Jan, for fuck's sake. So oh, it's hardly Jesus as if it's, Christ. it's hardly you're thinking like, well, if I get lucky, maybe I can have, have a go at him. It's just like, Jesus Christ, like, oh, my word. Got, right. Where you, who are you leaning on there, Joe? Uh, I lean towards Valiev. Valiev, for me. Um, right. Uh, shall we talk about... I don't know if is there even really much to talk about before. Uh, the Fight Night cards that we uh, just uh, experienced. Santos versus Ankalaev. Or is there something you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to one more uh, guy who's appearing here on, on, on the... Uh, Prelims. Uh, that's Mohamed Makayev, uh, twenty-one-year-old, oh, yes. uh, native of the Caucasus. I think another. Oh, I better check yeah. this before I say it, but I believe he's a Dagestani. I believe, but I know he, f- he fled the Caucasus at a young age. Oh, I've said it now. I'll let you. I'll let you check that one out, Joe. Uh, <laughs> fled to the UK. Uh, dad was a political refugee, born in Dagestan. Born in that wolf. Praise. Is he a czar, or do you know if he's ethnically Pakistani? Or I yeah. don't know. Sorry. So I had a hard time adjusting culturally to life in the UK. Um, mm. What didn't understand all the jokes, all the banter, all the lads, yeah. and just the started lads. smashing them, Joe. From what I can understand, started smashing them to the point where they put him in the gym, and since then the man has. Amassed an undefeated record, and he's looking to come in here into the UFC and and get off to a win. So good luck to young uh, Mohamed Makayev. We are, with his age, and with his skill, potentially the UFC's youngest ever champion. Potentially, he's 21 years old, and he's in flyweight, which is a good division, but not a deep division. Three wins there, he could be within a title shot, maybe. Joe, the thing that's crazy here, uh, yeah, he is only 21 years old, but the man has an extensive uh, amateur record. Uh, yes. I don't have it to hand here with me, but I believe he's 22 and, and 0. 22, 22 and 0. Wow. Yeah. 6 and 0 as a professional. Um, yeah, let's go. Hold on. Let, let me, can I read out the dates? Okay, so he went from 17 and 0 to 20 and 0, and here are the dates. Uh, 11th of November 2019, 12th of, no- uh, 12th of November 2019, 13th of November 2019, 14th of November 2019. He fought uh, four times in four days as an amateur. That is insane. Like, Hamza who? Yeah, exactly. This dude, yeah, this is one to look out for. That's the curtain jerker. That's the very first fight on the prelims and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how that goes, uh, right? Should we? Can we briefly talk about last week's fight night card if if we really want to? Yeah, I think we should give a quick quick nod to that before we say goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, Ankalaev defeats uh, Tiago Santos in a decision victory. Did you? Uh, what did you? Uh, what did you make of that uh, that fight? So from from those two. I thought that was inevitable. I got to be honest. Uh, we were looking ahead to that fight, and I, I, I just saw with Thiago Santos, late late career Thiago Santos. I think I think that was, it was always going to go like that. Ankalaev did win yeah. the fight for me, though, Joe. Yeah, easily, easily. Uh, Alex Pereira beating Bruno Silva on that card as well, starting to move up the middleweight division, and a cracking fight between Drew Dober and Terence McKinney. Uh, what a fight! 
Yeah, crazy. Uh, balls to the wall action, classic Drew Dober fight. Um, yeah, did you think it should have been stopped? Do you think McKinney had done enough? What, to stop to yeah, Dober? Yeah, I, I think it was a legitimate question. I, I, uh, I for me, no. came down on that. No, all right. For, all right. I, for me, no. It was close. It was very close. It was very close. Right. Uh, Tom, is there anything else? Oh, all right. I'm very quickly, very, very quickly, and then I'll let you go. Uh, Piotr Jan, his corner have been denied visas into the USA for his fight against Aljamain Sterling. So that means he's without cornerman. Uh, Piotr denied Jan still has a... for being Russian? For being Russian. Uh, maybe. I, d- I don't know what the reasons are. I believe they're fighting out in uh, they're training out in Thailand though, so I don't know if Tiger Muay Thai issue because uh, Tiger Muay Thai. So Piotr is without a corner. So some people have agreed to step in. Did you have you seen who have uh, stepped in for him? Send me my tickets, Joe. <laughs> well, it's going to be you, Sugar Sean O'Malley. No. And Henry Cejudo. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I can handle that kind of company. Uh, bring hold on, I'm talking <laughs> brother into disrepute. Um, yeah, hell of a night out those three, but um, I, I, but yeah, I, I don't know how legitimate it is, but we'll have to just wait and see. But yeah, he's currently without a corner. Um, oh, are again, you telling me Henry Cejudo is proficient in Russian? I don't know. He's faced a lot of Russians when the wrestling and whatnot, so. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. It's just weird, isn't it? It's just a bit of a weird potential scenario that we could see. But anyway, what's the name of Mike Perry's bizarre. girlfriend? Why don't we get her back out there? Um, <laughs> right, Tom. Let's uh, wrap it up. Listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, UFC London. This Saturday night. Cannot wait. I will be watching the whole thing. I cannot wait to be able to do that. Tom. Uh, are you going to be partaking on Saturday evening? I think we have to, Joe. I think that is a that is a promise. That is our national duty. Okay, right, listeners. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll be back some point early next week to uh, talk about this in greater detail. Tom, thank you so much, and uh, have a nice evening. Everyone. Yeah, thanks, Joe, and uh, yeah, tune in on Saturday, guys. Big, big card here in in the UK. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Anyway, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.